2: The Patriots fans and welcome to another edition of Patriots Beat here on the CLNS Radio Network. I am your host, Jeff Kane, at Boston Fat Guy on Twitter. Joining me as always is Bobby Kravitzky on Twitter at, at Bobby underscore K91. You can follow the podcast at, at Patriots Beat. Follow CLNS Radio at, at CLNS Radio. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook as well, www.facebook.com slash CLNSFans. Or if you want to follow the podcast, www.facebook.com slash Patriots Beat Podcast. Uh, and for the best news and reviews, pictures, articles, selfies, memes, all of the stuff, stuff out there, follow uh, CLNS's sister account, uh, which is, of course, at Patch Gazette. Uh, plenty of good things happening there. All right, Patriots Nation, don't shoot the messenger. Actually, I'm not the messenger. I'm the guy that set it up. We have a Seattle Seahawks podcast uh, guru coming on with us today. His name is Paul Bear, uh, Beyer. He is um, host of 12 for 12's radio on the uh, OT Radio Network, uh, a fine podcaster in his own right, uh, Great, uh, great knowledge. I've had the pleasure of being on his show in the past. He is—he's uh, got a, a wealth of knowledge, and you know what he—he he gets, it. he understands, and you can tell. And believe me, when you listen to him uh, and, and and hear him talk, you can tell he knows his stuff. He isn't just a guy that's going to sit there and say. Hey, man, Starbucks is better than Dunkin'. You know, pass me a joint because it's legal up here. No, this guy right here knows exactly what he is talking about. I can't wait to get him on uh, because I think he's going to give us a great view of, uh, of a Seattle perspective. So, Bobby, uh, what's going on tonight, my friend?
1: I'm good, and like you just said, that's what I'm most excited about, about this interview with Paul, is hearing what the opponent is thinking Getting that breakdown from someone who watches the Seahawks play on a regular basis
2: exactly not much happening today uh, out there in Super Bowl nothing uh, huge no one asked Bill Belichick what his favorite uh, you know uh, stuffed animal is even though that was cute because that was i don't know if anyone knows that but that was actually uh gerard mayo's four-year-old daughter who asked uh bill belichick that question um and and also if you watched media day you heard um tom brady says oh i like your hair Uh, did your daddy do that that was gerard mayo's daughter i I think that's that's pretty awesome
1: yeah she got some great Facetime. even had a dance off with gronk the other day you know,
2: I, I would like to have a dance. Yeah, I'd like to just go hang out with Gronk. Wouldn't you just like to just, just for one day just go out and just, just be
1: with him? It'd be impossible not to have a good time.
2: I, I think it really would. I think the best the best thing I heard, um, you know, from, from Gronk was they asked him about, you know, when he goes out and parties and this and that. And what do he say? I, I, I'm, it's because I'm a baller?
1: Yeah, they asked him why it gets so much attention, and he said it's because I'm a baller.
2: <laughs> you know the funny thing is is johnny Manziel, the quarterback from uh from cleveland gets a ton of attention uh he's not exactly a baller he's more of a faller uh but i'm not gonna pick too much on the cleveland browns i, I owe that uh i owe that franchise a ton because without the cleveland browns i don't think we have bill belichick
1: yeah so a huge assist from the cleveland browns from art modell as well for moving the team so Thank you to both of those parties. Ironically enough, the two hate each other. I know Art Modell, God rest his soul, has passed away, but that certainly was not a friendly relationship.
2: No, it definitely wasn't. I mean, uh, a little revisionist history, um, Bill Belichick took over a very bad team in Cleveland, and uh, you know he, he turned them around fairly quickly. I believe he was... Five and eleven in his first year, and then back to back, either seven and nine or eight and eight seasons. I believe it was eight and eight, if I remember. Uh, then he got him into uh, into the playoffs with an eleven and five season. Uh, they beat the New England Patriots, um, and then went on and lost to uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they were actually heading in the right direction. They they had started out the uh, nineteen ninety. Six season. no no! Sorry, 1995 season. They had started out at five and two, and then Art Modell dropped the the bombshell that the, the team was moving to Cleveland, and it fell apart right after there. Uh, lo and behold, Bill Belichick gets fired. He ends up on the Patriots staff. Uh, him and Robert Kraft find each other, and then uh, four years after uh, after he leaves to go. Uh, to New York, uh, the New York Jets. He makes his way back, and uh, and the rest is history, as we do say. Well, I guess just that time, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to bring on Paul Byer of Twelve for 12's Radio, uh, and let's hear what the uh, what the enemy has. To say. Right now by Paul Bear, and he is uh the oh host of a little show in Seattle uh, called Twelve for Twelves Radio, part of the Double O T Radio Network. Uh, he's been kind enough to join us. I understand, ladies and gentlemen, that he is the enemy, but let me tell you right now, Paul was actually the first guest we ever had on. Pat's beat back last Super Bowl. He had some great uh, stuff to say about the Seattle Seahawks. Of course, all of Patriots Nation, I think, was rooting for Seattle last year. So having him on, and, and he had some great predictions that actually came true. Uh, you know, he talked about uh, Percy Harvin getting a kick return for a touchdown. That came true. And he said there was going to be a blowout. And I don't think anyone really saw that coming. But Paul, uh, g- good evening. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing fantastic. Uh... Thanks again, uh, both you, Jeff and Bobby, for having me on the program. Uh, obviously, last year was an interesting experience since it was my first of the day. You guys talked to me early morning because I'm West Coast, and so before I had my first uh, cocktail, let's just say, I was, I was <laughs> talking to you two guys. So anyways, uh, thanks again for having me on.
2: Oh, not a problem at all. So before we get started, I want you to tell everyone where they can find you on uh, social media and also a little bit about your uh, radio show.
0: I started uh, actually, funny enough, last September, uh, this little uh, podcast thing, and I started up a show called 12 for 12's Radio. It's Seahawks-centric, 12 topics for the 12th man, pretty easy to figure out. Uh, I air live every Tuesday at 10 o'clock Eastern time, since probably most of your audience is Eastern uh, and uh, that's a three-hour time difference, uh, FYI, just, just real, you know, <laughs> for, for you guys out there. Uh, and uh, it runs; uh, the show runs for about an hour and a half to two hours. Uh, and all the links can be found to the show and the different uh, uh, platforms you can listen to it at my website 12412s.com. dot com. That's one two f o r one two s, as in Sam dot com. And uh, like I said, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitch. Uh, Xbox, all that neat stuff. So, uh, yeah, and uh, I'm on Facebook uh, at Paul Bayer. You can follow me on Twitter at p That's P-B-I-Z-Z-E-L. Just a nickname from the past uh, that I use. And, uh, again, uh, I'm on YouTube as well. You can find my show, previous shows. I record a little uh, slideshow. Sometimes it's just uh, one slide, but sometimes it's more than that uh, on YouTube at uh, 12 for 12s on YouTube.
2: A regular social media whore. I just love it. <laughs> I'm a giant of the game. (laughs) (laughs) I love it, buddy. I love it. All right, listen, you and I had the pleasure to talk last night on your radio show, and you asked me a question right off the bat, um, and I'm going to ask you the same question. The question, uh, for those who didn't listen to the show last night, was um, how do you separate fandom from uh, analyzing your Seahawks?
0: It's probably the single hardest thing to do in our business. Uh, but it's kind of the holy grail for every great radio host pundit. Uh, I think the bottom line is that it all, it's always going to be there. Uh, it's like that old adage I kind of try to live by, which is if you know who what the beast is, you can deal with the beast. And so I choose to embrace the fandom, uh, but I also embrace finding the truth. Uh, so when I'm looking at strengths and weaknesses of other teams or, you know, potential issues, you know, maybe like Malghazi, I don't know the kind of thing you guys are dealing with I look at stats I I look for past performances I look at the the the, what the differences were between when these two two teams maybe last met in making determinations but more than anything I try to base all of that on facts Uh, sometimes those truths are hard to deal with as a fan uh, but I think by addressing them you can enjoy the results even more Uh, you know, take my breakdown of last year's Super Bowl, you know, with y'all. I I went on a limb. (laughs) I think most people thought I was probably crazy for doing it and calling it the way I did, uh, but it turned out to be right on the money. And, you know, the bottom line is I can deal with being wrong, but as long as I back it up type of real-world evidence as opposed to just the -the pie-in-the-sky fodder.
1: Paul, speaking of strengths and weaknesses, what gives you the most confidence going into this game as far as the Seahawks are concerned? And what are some areas that you're a bit more concerned with?
0: The strengths is probably the thing I'm, I'm anticipating to be the most uh, exciting part of this game. You have uh, Tom Brady, obviously, forever will be known as one of the greatest quarterbacks to play in this game. If he wins this game, I think he's going to go down as the best ever, uh, playing obviously in six Super Bowls, and who knows what ends up happening to him uh, going down the next few years, depending on what he what he decides to do with playing, but. This historically great Legion of Boom uh, secondary, which, to be honest with you, I think most people forget how good this defense is in the linebacking core and also in the the, the front four. But it's that Legion of Boom everyone tries to highlight. You throw in a Gronk, you throw in an Edelman, Amendola, great deep threat in LaFell. I think it's going to be exciting to see these two go against one another. Uh, from the standpoint – what was the second part of that question? I apologize.
1: Just from a Seattle perspective, what are some areas that you might be concerned about going into this game?
0: I think uh, from a defensive perspective, I'm not, I'm not worried necessarily about the, the run because we've been very good at stopping the run, especially the last part of the season. But it's injuries to our, our middle D tackles uh, Losing Jordan Hill, who was coming on so strong – uh, was a big bummer. Obviously, Brandon Meebame an all-pro. Uh, obviously, last year he was so huge in the Super Bowl. Uh, but but not having that depth, I think, is the biggest concern. So how you guys try to assert your will with LeGarrent Blunt, the running game, mixing in uh, the short passing game, I think it's going to be very interesting to see that dynamic. Uh, from an offensive standpoint, I'm not necessarily concerned with how the Seahawks are going to attack uh, the, the Patriots, because I think it comes down to, you're going to try to stop our run. We're going to run the ball. Whoever wins wins the game. So, uh, it's ultimately, I think it's pretty uh, easy and simple to to decipher how it's going to go from, from, from a whole game perspective. When you, when you look at that matchup,
2: Paul, when you and I talked uh, last night, we talked about this possibly being a matchup between two of the most hated teams in the NFL uh, as an outsider looking in at the Patriots, what is your overall opinion of the New England Patriots uh, organization?
0: I think other than the, the rough and tough exterior uh, that Bill Belichick definitely per- portrays, you know, emanates, uh, there's definitely, they've been the example of a winner uh, for this NFL, an organization. And it's what everyone strives for. Uh, the way they compete, obviously the way they win, the way they treat their players, how Bob Kraft is with them. It's definitely a family atmosphere, at least that's what it appears to me. Uh, I, I think we're lucky here in Seattle with uh, what Paul Allen has done in, in giving Pete Carroll the reins he has with Bob, with, uh, with John Schneider, I call him the Schneider GM, and uh, to see you have this from the perspective of becoming one of the greats, uh, but nonetheless, something to strive for. But seeing the success over this last uh, 14 years, uh, 15 years, being to uh, now your sixth Super Bowl, seventh overall, I'm sure you kind of want to forget what happened in '85 uh, with the Bears, and I think your quarterback was Steve Grogan. Uh, if, it, if it knocks Grogan and Eason. And, and wasn't was Grogan like 45 in that? <laughs> I, I can't remember, but. The point I get at is it's kind of an afterthought. Uh, You guys were the first team I think to ever get to the Super Bowl from as a wild card, if I remember that correctly. Um, But uh, nonetheless. Uh, you know, it's it's tough to be known as uh, the team that lost the '85 Bears. Everyone kind of forgot that. But now the way people look at the Patriots is just uh, they they are not just a dynastic team, but you're also uh, a top shelf organization. When it, when everybody looks at where this uh, group is and and where they're going, especially under the leadership of Bob Kraft.
1: Paul, do you think that Pete Carroll and the way things ended when he was in New England? and the fact that he has a chance to not only stick it to Bob Kraft, but knock off the guy who's succeeded him here, do you think that is a motivating factor for Pete Carroll?
0: You guys might think I'm crazy, but I'm telling you, for Pete Carroll, he doesn't think that way. Now, if you were asking me or maybe you two guys, we'd probably say, heck yeah, I want to kill the guy. But for, for Pete Carroll, he doesn't look in the past. He seriously is so... Uh, I guess West Coast, uh, uh, almost uh, you know, '60s love, peace, love, dope type of guy. I mean, obviously '63, so, <laughs> jacked and pumped. You know, but he's just—he's uh, so focused on the future, which is so crazy, and and the present. That's probably more more important. Uh, his whole mantra: one game at a time, uh, always compete. It, obviously, it works. We've seen what he did at USC, and now seeing what he's doing here at NC. I really, I know it's crazy to say, say, but I just don't think he thinks that way, and uh, he just he just wants to see and look back at what he's building here in this moment, as opposed to what transpired, uh, you know, back, uh, you know, before uh, he before he was fired, uh, I guess, from uh, the Patriots.
2: Paul, uh, the Seahawks players have come out a little bit and talked a bit of smack about our Superman, our Rob Gronkowski, our nut, our party animal the Gronk, whatever you want to call him. First off, how in your eyes do you think that the Hawks will defend him? And secondly, do you think it's wise to poke the Gronk?
0: I'll start with the last part. Uh, to, to be honest, I, I really uh, wasn't sure this question, what you were saying, because I had forgotten about what Jeremy Lane had said, believe it or not, because it's just you hear so much from the LOB. They love we are well aware of. And so now that I kind of, you know, figured that's definitely what we're we're referring to, um, it's, it's not what I would have done. Okay. (laughs) As a former player, I played in college and, you know, I was a lineman. I didn't talk smack. I just went out and did my business. But I think when it comes to who this team is, who the Legion of Boom is and and how they they do their work, uh, I think that it's a representative of who they are. Um, I feel like the talk has really ultimately helped them play better over their careers, the short careers at that, uh, because it, I think establishes a bar for them maybe to sell to maybe meet uh, in the heart, in the heart of hearts. I, I think that's what Lane was probably trying to do there. Uh, but as for poking the Gronk, I feel like that's something that they need to do during the game. To be quite honest, I think they need to try to get underneath his skin. He is such an, a tremendous talent Physically, obviously, whether he's 6'6", 260, whatever it might be, he's a beast. He's got wheels. He can move. He's got great hands. Uh, but we need to try to get some of those emotions, I feel, to, to maybe get him to act uh, outside of what he tries to play in as a player. Now, as it goes to how we're, I think we're going to go after him and defend him, uh, I, I, and I talked about this with you last night, but I think it's going to be a use of a bracket uh, the way that they played against Jimmy Graham is a, is a good example. They were using typically one of our outside linebackers, usually a K.J. Wright, uh, who is long, he's big, tall, and very fast, to work him more in a front him uh, scenario. And then they'll use over-the-top help with either depending on which side safety, whether it's Cam Chancellor or Earl Thomas. But in in both cases, uh, I I feel very good about the speed uh, and size of our linebackers. The question is, is depending on what you guys try to use in the way of formations and uh, maybe even, as you mentioned last night, lining uh, Gronk up to the far outside and maybe trying to match him up on one of our corners, uh, that's going to be interesting to see how that works out. But I, I because I feel like Sherman or Theral Simon or Byron Maxwell, depending on who they use in a, probably a heavy nickel package, uh, can, can definitely, you know, it's just the physicality. Uh, can, if, they, if he moves inside and there's, and there's traffic, what happens in that scenario? So ultimately speaking, I think it's going to be very interesting to watch.
1: Paul, I'm curious to get your opinion on the following statistics. The Patriots rank second on average time before the ball is out on short passing attempts, which is defined as passes that are 10 yards or less, and are third in total QBR touchdowns and third down conversion rate on such attempts. Conversely, Seattle is 17th in total QBR allowed on short pass attempts and is 27th in short pass completion percentage.
0: Well, first, am I going to be graded on this question no, no. in my final? <laughs> I, I just want to make sure.
1: <laughs> I'm great. <laughs> I'm, I'm great. <laughs> I understand I'm throwing we'll a, a lot of, of numbers at you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. I'm I trying to – a little, little joke, little levity there, folks. Um, I, I'm glad you actually picked this up as a stat. Uh, I think it's actually the secret. It's, this is the secret ingredient to the Legion of Boom, uh, besides obviously them being very talented. They give up the short pass and they do this purposely. And I'll tell you why. By doing so, they look to try to create situations where they can punish receivers, uh, you know, inflict their pain per se, and, and, and ultimately by doing it, create turnovers and mistakes. This two years studying this team. It's the one thing this defense really tries to give up. It's really the only area. And more than anything, it's because they're trying to force their opponents to be perfect in execution. If they aren't perfect, if they're not throwing it in that small one-yard window because they are going to be right there. You can look back at last year's game. Again, I don't know if you guys watched it, but the game in the Meadowlands versus Eli Manning, they had five interceptions. Byron Maxwell was playing his first game as a starter after the, the Byron, uh, I'm sorry, the Brandon Bauer, Browner being suspended for the rest of the season. And what you saw is is Eli was off just a couple of, of feet, literally, but those feet meant interceptions. And so what they're going to try to do is put Tom Brady into an area where they're saying, look, we're going to, good chance of beating us but if you're not we're going to take advantage of it a good example of the flip side of this and how it worked against uh, uh, Philip rivers was fantastic and and on the money uh, antonio gates was was making every catch under the sun but he was putting the ball in perfect positions where you know at the end of the day if it's in a perfect spot you can't defend it but this is this is what the LOB does, and, and they will punish the receiver if they catch it. Uh, I think they've tightened up a lot since uh, week two, especially the second half of this season. But I think this is definitely the things that you guys do as an offense and what you like to throw at teams. This is going to be an interesting uh, thing to watch.
2: Paul, uh, my question next is about Marshawn Lynch. Because uh, in media day, he came out and basically said, I'm here so I don't get fined and I believe uh today uh he said something along the lines of y- you know why I'm here. Um but here's my here's my big question here because I put it out on Twitter uh to my followers that I thought his his performance was was brilliant. Um uh, in, in how he did it. You know, he came out and, and did it. And it got, the, uh, it got the wrath of a lot of fellow Patriot fans who came out and said that he cheated his fan base and this, that, and the other thing. And I just came back and said, if he was a Patriot, you'd love him and we'd embrace this. So I want to know, as a Seahawks fan, your thoughts on uh, Marshawn Lynch. I,
0: I get what the Patriot fans are saying, especially those that follow him. If you're not around him, if you're not a fan of him, if you're not watching him on a, on a daily and, and obviously a Sunday basis – you're not going to see uh, why we love him so much. And that is because the fact is the guy puts it out 150%. He is the, by far the most violent runner I have ever seen run a football. And when you see a player doing that for your team, really exposing himself physically to, you know, I'm, I'm just, I can't believe he's not more injured in his career. even though know, he's had little things here and there, but you know, that, that reminds you of a guy like a Walter Payton, you know, it, that's the last guy I can think of in my lifetime because it's it's not obviously that long, uh, but you know Walter Payton in my lifetime is the only runner of of physicality. Uh, I'm sure if if I you know I've seen tape on Earl Campbell that he's maybe someone that I would compare him to. I, I wish I could have seen more of, of Earl, maybe seen him live because I'm obviously not old enough. But th- that's the thing; it's that special uh, physicality, violence that he runs with, and just never quitting and so when you're a fan of that team and you get to see that that he puts it on the line for us the way he does you just love him and the fact is we don't care if he talks because he does his talking on the field uh you know it's like kind of like this you know if he walks the walk you know you can allow him not to talk the talk if he doesn't choose to
1: yeah paul i too am a huge fan of beast mode and similarly the name that comes to mind for me is earl campbell And I have a small sample size, probably an even smaller sample size, to go off of to draw that comparison. But the other Seattle running back, Robert Turbin, is a a bit of a faster, more shifty guy who can be effective out of the backfield in the passing game. What role do you think he might play in this game?
0: turban because he is basically has a body of a a Greek Adonis. I mean, (laughs) the guy is literally ripped, they say, like without his pads on. It's just ridiculous. But you can see his guns. He's actually more north-south, more physical. Uh, I I know that sounds crazy, but he's the guy that's going to try to run guys over uh, north-south. He won't try to necessarily make those cuts that you mentioned. Um, But but he's been very successful the last few years, and I think growing underneath – the tutelage of, of a Marshawn Lynch. And, uh, you know, he's just a, a separate guy to throw in there. When, when, when Beast Mode needs to get his spells, uh, sometimes this year it's been sometimes the first quarter of games, and he's done just fine. Uh, I, I, it's definitely not the same as, as having Marshawn Lynch in there. nothing special. But, but Robert Turbin is a guy that we can, as 12s and Seahawk fans here, depend on to uh, get the job done if necessary.
2: We've talked about him earlier in the podcast today, and that is Richard Sherman. The man talks the talk, but you know what? He also walks the walk. Uh, as I told you last night, it, between him and Darrell Revis, in my book, it's you know, A and 1A. Um, but game on the line versus some of the best wide receivers of all, t- wide receivers of all time, whether it's a Jerry Rice or a Randy Moss, uh, who do you want covering that guy? Do you want Richard Sherman or do you want Darrell Revis?
0: As much as I respect uh, Darrell Rivas and uh, consider him not just uh, one of the top cornerbacks, but number two on my current list of best of, uh, I got to take Sherman. And I'll tell you exactly why. It's his length. You know, you're dealing with a guy who's, who's six four. He studies and knows and understands every quarterback. He goes against habits, what they're, what they're looking to try to accomplish. He's able to read Many of the routes on receivers off the line, just based on their initial footwork, uh, AKA going back to the NFC championship last year in the game uh, where he was able to tip that ball at the last second away from Michael Crabtree, with the 49ers, he made that read and then he turned and, and worked his way to the fade. Ironically speaking in that particular play, just going back, he actually was in position to make the play on the fade. If the ball was thrown where it should have been thrown, uh, Colin Kaepernick actually threw it behind him, and that is why he had to reach back with his left hand to tip the ball, a little, little tidbit. And that, I think, is a great example of showing why you want to have a player of Richard Sherman's uh, abilities in there, and, and maybe he's why he's just a tad a bit above. And, again, it's, you know, uh, apple, potato, whatever, the potato, potato, right? I mean, I get why anyone would, might pick Rebus, but at the end of the day, the link that – Uh, Sherman brings to the table, especially going up against two guys you just mentioned, Cherry Rice and Randy Moss, uh, you're going to need that. And, uh, you know, you think about, like, uh, uh, let's take uh, uh, Deion Sanders, right? You know, what Deion did so well is obviously he was a blanket cover, but what he did was he would try to literally get quarterbacks to throw into windows that weren't really there. He would use his speed. Uh, Sherman's kind of a perpetual window, because he, he's he's, long, he's, lean, he's lanky, you know, he's not real thick or anything, but he's tall. So sometimes his, you know, it looks like because he's not necessarily as fast as a receiver. But it's because of that length that he's able to make up the difference. And so at the end of the day, not to let the pats down, even though you've got a fantastic corner in Darrell Rivas. And, and by the way, who knows where he's going to be next year, getting paid $25 million a year, whatever he's going to get paid. But uh it's just I would take Sherm every day of the week and Sunday.
1: If push comes to shove, let's say, for example, and there's a myriad of possibilities that the Patriots were to try and put a decoy, someone like Man out on Richard Sherman, do you think there's a possibility that Seattle moves him around?
0: Uh, I don't think we have to, especially with the, uh, the weapons the Patriots have. You know, you're, you're not – even Edelman and Amadola and LaFell are are all I would say complementary receivers. You know, I think some people have made the same argument about the Seahawks receivers and uh, Jermaine Curtis and Doug Baldwin, but they're they're not someone, I, especially that the Seahawks have to change or adapt their scheme for. You know, Richard Sherman plays his corner position on his on his side. Byron Maxwell does the same on the other. They are very. If if push came to shove and you know we're we're talking about a Des Bryant type scenario, well yeah, he's gonna follow him or or Calvin Johnson. But you know, in this particular case I don't think the Seahawks will change anything when it comes to that. How they work the underneath routes is the bigger question and I think that's gonna be where you see the safeties and the and the have to to maneuver themselves a little differently. I think it's going to be a a shorter uh, zone off the line as opposed to last year because you basically do play it mostly zone. Uh, A lot of people don't get that. It just depends on how those outside receivers release off the line of scrimmage.
2: Excellent stuff there, Paul. We appreciate you coming on Patriots Beat. Uh, Nothing but respect for you and your team. Uh, We, um, you know, each time we, we get someone on and, we asked them their prediction for the uh, for the uh, Super Bowl coming up, and normally Bobby and I uh, wait till our Friday morning show. But you know what? We got the enemy on the line <laughs> with us, so now's as good a time as any. And, and this is how we basically always break it down: we uh, we give a prediction, uh, a score, and then we give us our offense and defensive player of the game. Um, I guess we're going to let Bobby go first because I believe Bobby, I went first for the Colts game. So we'll let you uh, go first here, my friend.
1: That is correct. Offensively, my MVP is going to be Brandon Jojo LaFell. I think the Patriots finally have an outside receiver who he's not much of a deep threat, but he's physical enough to hold his own against the Seattle secondary, the Legion of boom. Defensively, My MVP is Dante Hightower. He is going to be integral if the Patriots are going to have success in not just stopping the run, but also containing Russell Wilson, keeping him in the pocket, not letting him break huge runs to the outside, as well as covering tight ends and receivers. He's going to be asked to do a lot, not to mention communicate and put everyone in the right spot. And, of course, if both MVPs, I'm going with our Patriots players, Then I'm going with New England to win this game. I certainly think it's going to be close. It could even come down to a last-second field goal. I say ultimately the Patriots win it 24-21.
2: Big surprise! The Patriots fans picked the Patriots. Exactly, but, uh, Shocker. <laughs> Paul, I think we have an idea of who you might pick to win this game, uh, but we would love to hear uh, how you think it's going to fold out and your offense and defensive players of the game uh, for your Seattle Seahawks. Uh, you bet. Or if you think the if you think the Patriots can pull it out, hey. feel free to free to talk about uh,
0: you know Tom Brady's greatness. That hair. You never know. That scrub. <laughs> you never know until I get done. Hasn't he just hasn't has he won enough though, guys? He's got Giselle. For God's <laughs> sakes. I mean, come on. The guy the guy has got it all. He's uh, greedy. <laughs> and you're greedy. Uh, okay, never mind. Yes. <laughs> um okay, look, I I think uh two extremely talented teams. Uh obviously last year I called a blowout uh, correct and I called many of the The factors that that factored into it, like the pick six and the the kickoff return by Percy Harvin. Uh, But that's no more. Uh, I think uh, the way this game breaks down, Seahawks' strengths are, I think, superior ultimately to the Patriots' strengths. Belichick and Brady are competitors at every level. I don't think this is going to go easy by any stretch. I see a a very close game in uh, probably through the third, middle of the third quarter, uh, four to six points. And then I see the Seahawks pulling away ultimately if, if the Patriots are forced to have to throw the ball more and that'll allow that front four to really try to get after uh, Tom Brady and move him off his spot. And I think that's going to be ultimately one of the big keys to this game. Uh, I see a 12 point victory. Obviously I, I picked the number 12 uh, in honor of my 12th man here and, and not a number that you might uh, think of often when it comes to scores, But I'm picking a 32-20 final Seahawks. It's going to be hard to get to that 32 number, an odd number for Pools, by the way. But I think that's going to be the case. Now, asking about the offense and defensive players of the game, I think offensively, I think this is Russell Wilson's to win offensively. Uh, This is going to be his game. And defensively, uh, I like my dark horse, and I know we didn't get to talk to him as, as much, but Byron Maxwell. The other corner in the L.O.B. doesn't get necessarily talked about as much or nearly as much as Richard Sherman. But I'm going to go out there and say he's going to end up with two interceptions. Uh, if he tries to attack LaFell, like you mentioned there earlier, I think you're going to see him pick him off, uh, Tom Brady off. And then at the end of the offseason, when he gets, becomes a free agent, he's going to be making $10 million a year. This is going to be a very a lucky man after this season. So Byron Maxwell is my dark horse on defense or player of the game.
2: Excellent, Paul appreciate that. Alright, I guess it's time for my, uh, my prediction and anyone who listened to Paul show last night, uh, 12 for twelves on the uh, Double OT Network you definitely follow them there uh, knows what my prediction was and I'm sure uh, the Seattle Seahawks fans were Boo. laughing at me. <laughs> uh, probably the same way that our Patriots Nation will be uh, you know, r- riling you up a little bit tomorrow, but I'm going to sit here and I'm going to tell you this, I-, I said it last night, I've said it since uh, the gun went off at the end of the uh Colts game, Patriots by 7 in a relatively low scoring uh uh game 24 to 17. Uh it's going to be one of those things whoever has the ball last is going to uh to win that game and I think the Patriots will uh, will pull out and be 24 to 17 and we finally have a defense that can uh, that can stop uh an opposing team's offense when it's needed. We haven't had that the last two Uh, Super Bowls that the Patriots uh, have unfortunately not been victorious in. Offensive player of the game, I'm going with my meaty man. I'm going with my my superhero. I'm going with the Gronk. And this is the first time for the Patriots that they're going to have Rob Gronkowski healthy and ready to go in their final game of the season. And I think that's going to make the difference uh, for the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Uh, on the defensive side, uh, a little underrated here, but I'm going for Rob Ninkovich. And there's a reason for me going with Rob Ninkovich. Uh, you know, he's not a flashy pay- player, he doesn't do uh, anything great. But in my uh, studies of how everyone uh, defends the read option, Rob Ninkovich has had tremendous success uh, setting the edge not biting down on the uh, on the read and and being able to keep uh you know quarterbacks inside the pocket. So to me, it's gonna be Rob Ninkovich on the defensive side of the ball. Paul, thank you so much for joining us today on CLS Radio's Patriots beat. Uh it's always great to get a uh you know another fan and another media members uh from the opposite side of the teams perspective uh while we might not agree with you and you might not agree with us uh we really appreciate that uh, you were able to come on today and uh you know show us some respect as, as as we do to you um you know i can honestly say that uh i think we have finally for the first time in a long time uh two great fan bases uh going up against each other and two tremendous teams so paul thank you very much for coming on tonight
0: hey guys i i appreciate it uh the opportunity and the chance to talk with you and, and the Patriot fans out there, nothing but love and respect uh, for them and y'all. Uh, again, uh, just so everyone knows, you can listen to me on uh, 12 for 12's radio. You can go to my website, 12for12s.com, and check me out on Twitter. Follow me back. I'll do the same at P. Bizzle, P-B-I-Z-Z-E-L, and then on Facebook as Paul Beyer uh, and or 12 for 12's radio. Uh, I appreciate it so much, guys.
2: Thanks a lot, Paul. Go Go Hawks. You might say go Hawks, but go Patriots, Patriots Nation number one. You know what I'm talking about, Bobby. Great stuff there by uh, Paul. just a you know a, a great guy. You can tell he's very passionate about his team. Um, you know they 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 love their Seahawks out there. They they really do. But uh, Paul uh, Byers' uh, interview today was brought to you by the good people over at Linda. Dot .com go out and challenge yourself today www.linda.com that's l y n d a.com and don't forget you can get a free 10-day trial with Linda and CLNS by going to C L N S radio. if you want to know a little bit more about linda.com get up there look at it challenge yourself get on board with Linda and CLNS you go there i mean you can learn about photography you can learn about web design you know there's there's word uh, microsoft office uh, powerpoint everything's done with by professionals great site i challenge you guys to get out there and do it today good stuff there uh by our friend paul and i will call him our friend because uh you know i've kept in touch with him over the last year uh and he's a he's a great guy he, and last year uh you know the first patriots beat was was done on Super Bowl Sunday. And I had a guest from, uh, from both the Denver Broncos and the uh, Seattle Seahawks. And uh, I'll tell you, Paul called it perfectly. He really did. And uh, I have a lot of respect for him. Uh, you know, last year, um, the Denver Broncos guy that I had on was, uh, you know, pretty arrogant. Uh, and, you know, Paul isn't arrogant. He's confident, but he's not arrogant. One thing I got to say about Seattle and, and and I'm sure I'll get a uh, I'll get a text from uh, from Paul after I say this but uh, they got a lot of freaking nicknames, don't they? You know, the 12 for 12s and the LOBs and yeah, they got a lot of nicknames out there.
1: I hate to disagree with you, but that's only two. You know, what what other nicknames are there? I don't know. I mean, that's, you know, LOB I don't mode. know. Peace
2: mode. Peace mode. I you know what what I, you know, I I don't know. I, I, all right, so that's that's, you know, all right, three. But still, that just seems like an awful lot of nicknames to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I you guess know? they certainly have more than us. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I, you know, we got Gronk. You know, and I, I guess we got uh, Mrs. or uh, Mr. Mister Bunchen. <laughs> but uh, good things there from uh, you know a Seahawks fan. I, I got to tell you, Bobby, we're we're getting closer and closer by the day to this Super Bowl. And I just pray that it lives up to the hype that this Super Bowl has because I don't want to see, you know, for either team, um, you know, the blowout that we saw last year. That was a boring Super Bowl to to watch. Now, now, granted, I wouldn't be terribly disappointed if the Patriots went out and scored fifty points and and did all that. I don't think that's possible, but I don't want to see uh, I don't want to see a blowout. I want to see a good, compelling game. And Paul was right; it's it's all about the matchups what's your thoughts there
1: yeah this i'm not expecting a blowout from either side because it is this is such an evenly contested matchup and it's the one that i wanted to see all along even before the playoffs got started because in my opinion and i don't think i'm alone here by any means these are the two best teams in the nfl so to see them go head to head for the grand prize is phenomenal this is going to be a terrific showdown there's so many X factors in this game, and there's so many matchups that people are spotlighting that play out on both sides. For example, it's going to be key, of course, for the Patriots to be able to stop Marshawn Lynch. But then on the flip side, you have the discussion about, well, can the Patriots establish the run game? You know, can they get LeGarrette Blount going against Seattle's defense? And that, of course, opens the Patriots up to become more dynamic and makes the play-action passing that much more effective. So there's so many areas being focused on that are key for both sides and really makes for a fun game.
2: It sure does. It definitely does. Well, we're going to wrap it up tonight uh, here on the Patriots Beat uh, Podcast and, of course, CLNS Radio. Uh, And you can always download our uh, free mobile app. And, of course, you do that, as I said, for free by going to www.clnsradio.com. Dot com slash ios free if you have an iPhone product whether it's an iPad iPhone uh, you know Apple whatever you got there uh, and if you have an Android also for free www.clnsradio.com/slash/android and you can also uh, find it by just searching clns in Uh, in Google Play or the uh, Apple iTunes Store and uh, definitely download us there. There's plenty of other great uh, podcasts to go out there. A couple uh, housekeeping things. I will uh, not be on the show tomorrow, but um, uh, Bobby and uh, our our other – Wonderful podcast host uh, Patrick Shankauer will be uh, putting the next show together, and then on Friday um, we actually have another uh, Seattle uh, guy coming on. So I hope you don't hate us, Patriots Nation, that we're bringing on uh, you know Seattle people, but we are. Uh, Brian Afker uh, from Sports Radio 950 uh, WKGR will be joining us. Um, On Friday afternoon, as we get ready for the Patriots versus DC Addle Seahawks in Super Bowl 49. I can't wait. It's
1: going to be one heck of a game. Super Bowl Sunday cannot come fast enough. Just ready to get the kickoff.
2: internet sports talk radio CLNS Radio